What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to another Superstar Scores edition of the Smartout Moment Smack Talk Podcast. I'm Tony Mango, joined by Robert E. Felice. Hello. And Callum Wiggins. Hello. And we are talking about Dave Batista today for this edition of, I think it's the 32nd or 31st or 33rd, there's been somewhere in that 30 something range edition of the Superstar Scores, which if you don't know what that is, the quick breakdown will come in a few minutes, but we've done 31 of these. But so, you know, go back and check out some previous episodes if you are interested in that concept. If you want to see a comparison of how the different rankings go based off of some other people in the past, in particular, go back to the episode that we did about like uh, five or so episodes ago. Or maybe 10 episodes ago. I don't remember exactly when we did it, but we did a like a, a reconstruction of adjusting some points and kind of going back and talking about, you know what, our opinions softened about this person, or you know what, now this happened and it actually ruined their backstage thing, or you know, with different things. But we have done a few of these, everything from major people like the you know, Brock Lesnar's that score extremely high and the Triple H's and everything. And we've had some people on the lower end, like, uh, you know, we did a, an edition before of Bob Holly. We've done Balf Bagwell. We've done uh, Steve Blackman. <laughs> we kind of uh, run the gamut a little bit here. We haven't done as many of the bad ones. We typically tend to do people that we're, we're fond of. But today is going to be about Dave Batista, And that is... Yeah, a couple of reasons why we're focusing on that. One of them being that I just saw Knock at the Cabin the other day on Sunday. And I figure, okay. you know what? He is not only in that movie, but Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is coming out pretty soon. And on top of that, we might, I'm still thinking, we might get some kind of news that he ends up going into the Hall of Fame this year. Oh, he's going, he's going in. I feel for like it's almost doing, a guarantee. For him to be doing interviews going... Golly gee, I hope this is the year for me when when you've already been announced. Yeah, yeah. you're going in, pal. I mean, that the 2020 stall that they ended up going with, they didn't bring it back for 2021, they didn't bring it back for 2022, but now it's in Hollywood. So why not go back to that well, and do that? You can't get Dwayne. Right. You got a headliner, you got a guy who's popular in Hollywood right now. So, I mean, I use a lot of star uh iconography for the superstar scores and hollywood's of course got the i will walk of fame and all it all kind of lines up but knock the cap and it's fresh on my mind and i thought he was really good in that and if you're interested in whether or not i think you should watch it or skip it check out my ewn post about that very short uh what <laughs> not your fanboys anonymous post no or something up for ewn actually i figured you know what maybe people okay, on okay. the uh wrestling side of things might be kind of on the fence of whether or not they should see it. I thought about doing a review point, thought about doing a making the grade. And then instead I ended up writing a, uh, an editorial pitching and complaining about AMC's sight line price thing that they want to do. So that's up on fanboys anonymous about being me, me being like, you know what? I hate corporate speak and I hate that they think that they're going to charge you more money and that you're supposed to be thankful for it. God damn it. Old man yells at clouds, but <laughs> Nevertheless, the Superstar Scores Dave Batista edition is kind of all wrapping up around that. And if you aren't 
someone who has checked out previous editions of this and you are brand new to the concept, this is our breakdown of how this works. We've got the potential score of 0 to 100. I don't think we've actually ever done any negative points to anybody. Each thing is between a 0 and a 10. I'm looking at right now that the overall scores, it looks like the lowest that anybody got in anything might have been a 2 from uh, from different ranges that we've got. Yeah, I don't think anybody got any 1s now that I'm thinking about it. And I don't think I anybody's got somebody at a 1. Uh, nobody on Callum's end, don't on my end. So maybe you no, gave somebody a one somewhere along that. Um, not seeing uh, any ones though. Oh, okay, you oh, gave yeah. Hulk Hogan an updated one for public relations. No, you, you, Rob, gave Alberto Del Rio a one for public relations. I'm That's what it was. And uh, he got a two from Callum and I. Um, good for me. Yes. <laughs> Hard stance, right? Um, but yeah, you got an option of a zero to 10 for all these different categories. There are 10, uh, categories overall when it comes to, uh, breaking things down and they're all broken up into five separate umbrella categories. So we've got ring skills, mic skills, appearance, behavior, and crowd reaction, which are made up of two categories a piece. We're going to explain what those are and break down why we're giving those ratings. And then we're going to eventually have our final scores. We're going to merge them together. We're going to figure out what the average is. And we also are not necessarily set in stone. You know, we've plenty of times in the past been, somebody says that they give somebody an eight. Somebody else says they give them a 10. Somebody else says they give them a nine. And then we all end up going, yeah, you're kind of right about the negative. Yeah. You're kind of right about the positive. And then we all end up with like a nine, but we don't have to, we certainly can keep our own scores. We don't have to come to a consensus thing, not like the Mount Rushmore's or anything. So as we give our ratings, we want to know what your scores are as well. So drop your thoughts in the comments below. Tell us what you rank Dave Batista on a 0 to 100 scale as, because you might be going a little higher. You might be going a little logo, lower. I don't know. And um, we want to know why. So before we get into this, though, I want to preface that, uh, that we got something coming up. I just want to give a little shout out to. I, I don't have it up on the website right now, but it is probably going to be coming in the next uh, day or so i just want to kind of hammer out the final final details for it uh we are on the road to wrestlemania and we are going to be having another contest going on this year and as soon as it comes up on the website it'll be active and everybody will be able to have multiple chances to win it's going to operate the same way that i've done in the past where it's based off of subscribing to the youtube channel following on facebook and twitter uh, sharing links, uh, liking things, you know, doing the same thing for Fanboy Synonymous, all that good stuff. And what there is going to be for a prize this time around, I figured, look, Cody Rhodes won the Royal Rumble. He is challenging for the titles at WrestleMania. And this story is all revolving around wanting to bring the big one home for Dusty Rhodes not doing that. And it just so happens that there is a Dusty Rhodes Funko Pop from WWE so our road to WrestleMania contest this year, three people are going to win a Dusty Rhodes Funko Pop. And that is basically based off of the idea of NXT Stand and Deliver, WrestleMania Night 1, WrestleMania Night 2. So again, more information to come in the next day or so. I'm either going to have it up before the hot tags or I'll have it up right after that most likely. I might even have it up later on tonight. 
funny enough. So stay tuned for that if you want to potentially win that. And as far as the idea goes when it comes to doing all those things like liking and sharing and subscribing and all that good stuff, then not only does that stuff get you a potential um, entry for winning that, but it also helps us out a great deal. And there are some other great ways for you to help us out now more than ever is a great time to let me know that you want me to keep doing this and to help me keep the lights on because I'm feeling the, uh, the urge to uh, nix a lot of things and all. So if it comes down to opening up your wallets and sharing a little spare change with us, that can make a big, 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 big difference. So pick up some merchandise on Redbubble or TeePublic, join the Patreon or the YouTube channel membership, or click on that little thanks button, do the super chats. You got the dark cast tier, you get the pick your poison tier. Uh, pick your poison is one of the absolute best options to make sure that you get some great content that you specifically want and directly funds me being able to do that and to take the time away from trying to do some other stuff. So uh, even a buck a month goes a long way, especially the more people that do it. And if you want to continue to see Smart Cat Moment stick around and to grow, then help support us. You know, I mean, money talks and money is the thing that makes the world go around. It's the lifeblood of all this kind of stuff. So uh, yeah, keep all that in mind. Anyway, we've talked enough. It's been about 10 minutes now. We haven't even gotten into a single score yet. So thank you for your patience. Let's start getting to this. Dave Batista, generally speaking, without giving uh, your score already, did you assume that you were going to give him around the range that you ended up? Or did you think you were going to go a little bit higher? Or did you think you were going to go a little lower? I pretty much saw him around this range. Batista is, well, a guy who didn't last for very long. He's someone who almost primarily stayed at the top of the card. So he's not going to get a score like a buff Bagwell. Yeah, considering other people I had in a similar scoring range by the end of it, I think it was pretty justified considering his consistent main event status and world championship reigns and we'd expect it wasn't going to be that low down. He got around the same range that I was expecting to. Um, I didn't really set myself an idea in mind of like, all right, I'm going to aim for something because I just wanted to kind of go one by one and, you know, see where it led me. But I knew that he wasn't going to be getting tens across the board. And I knew that I wasn't really going to be giving him anything lower. So I actually, ahead of time, I just kind of erased all the, the red negative kind of side of my thing because i was like well at most i'm gonna give him at least a five and everything and moving on up you know up to some higher scores for other things so let's start breaking down exactly what that means with the ring skills these are based on athleticism and psychology for the athleticism side of things that is pretty much specifically their move set that you know, you rank them on their finisher, their ability to go through a match without botching crazily. You know, I mean, everybody has their botches here and there, but whether or not uh, Batista is somebody who can usually go through a match and not look like ridiculous, you know, I mean, we've had people in the past that have been the other way around. And then psychology is their storytelling capabilities. And if they can do something in the ring that can help you connect with it more than just that they happened to do a flip or something. <laughs> and I, uh, you know, as always, we can 
bounce around our scores and stuff. But I currently have Batista down as a six for both, although I am thinking that I should probably at least bump up the psychology to a seven. The athleticism side of things, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, you know, there are a few examples of things like Batista not being able to get into the ring without tripping on the ropes and all. And he had a a relatively basic moveset. And I looked at some of the other people that I have on my list and I gave somebody like a a Ryback and a Goldberg and a, a Bray Wyatt and a Ric Flair, all sixes. Whereas somebody like a Matt Hardy, I gave a seven or an edge had a higher score or Undertaker had a higher score. And I was like, all right, well, from my perspective, Batista's never been as athletic as a Matt Hardy or an Undertaker. But he makes sense to be around the Goldberg and Ryback range. So I go six for athleticism. How about you guys? I went with a seven for both athleticism and psychology. Athleticism, I went with a seven simply because I have Big Show at a seven. And even though there's a bit of size differential, I still think Tista moves very well for his frame. And I think a seven is very... You know, it's it's right where you should probably be if you're going to be in the range he was most of his career. And with psychology, I gave him a seven because he was in the ring, again, primarily with masters of psychology, and a lot of that rubbed off. And one thing you can say about Batista's era is that it was very story-driven, and I think he always had a good knack for how to build the story of a match. Yeah, I'm echoing that. I've got two sevens for athleticism and psychology. I think his moveset was, while basic, it was, it lended into his character of being just a pure powerhouse. And his spear was good. The Batista bomb was great. He hit a really good spine buster. And yeah, most of the other stuff was just a, a mixture of clothesline, shoulders into the guards, all that other usual things. But he can mix it up every now and again. And... I'm doing the psychology of seven because given the right story and the right motivation, you could have a really, really good match with people. I mean, you primarily would look with um, his feud with The Undertaker to see some of his best matches. And I'm a guy who doesn't really see Undertaker as a guy who had a massive stellar career of great matches. And Batista and him just are two of the best. It's probably one of Undertaker's best rivals of his entire career. And yeah, and he had other great matches as well, but he didn't have that many great matches that I couldn't give him any higher than a seven. And you know, I've got like like Matt Hardy on a seven. Matt Hardy is a more has more interesting moves, but I think it's he had, kind of has to to make up for the fact that he's a lot smaller and less physically imposing than Batista. Batista did what he needed to do with the uh, the God given gifts that he has. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a good argument for that because it isn't quite the same. And I would kind of apply that I would enjoy a Batista match a little bit more than a uh, Goldberg match or a Ryback match most of the time. So, yeah, I think I'll bump them up. I'll go sevens across the board. Why not? I'm uh, I'm feeling generous (laughs) when it comes to giving some extra points. Um, 
on the charisma and character sides of the mic skills, we've got the charisma is explaining essentially their ability to cut a promo without stuttering. Are they interesting on the microphone in general? Just the idea that, you know, you can listen to them talk for 20 minutes and you're not sitting there going, oh my God, this is such a frustrating thing to listen to. Or are they the type of person that you write down the dialogue for them and they are the most wooden person that could possibly be delivering this line? And then as far as the character work is, that is their gimmick and, you know, their personality and their heel and face dynamics. Are they a type of person that you are interested, not just necessarily in the words that they're saying, but the character story arc that they're bringing to the table for it? So you got on the charisma side to explain it a little bit further. You've got people that are really high up on our scores, like a Chris Jericho or a Rowdy Roddy Piper or a Ric Flair. And then on the character side, you've got people like the undertaker and Bray Wyatt and Kane. And yeah, you know, they don't have to necessarily be those like dark and mysterious characters. Cause you could have like a stone cold Steve Austin was a hell of a character and definitely extremely high up on our lists. And he wasn't, you know, shooting fireballs and shit. So uh Kresman character on the side i again could be bumped up a little bit but i went with a seven for charisma and i went with a six for the character and my idea being batista was good as uh cutting a promo when he needed to and he he had some range of being the type of person who would be just, you know, I'm a badass and I'm going to be completely silent. And then he had his errors of the spotlight type Batista and the give me what I want. Well, that didn't go all that well. And the basketballs don't hold grudges. And all. Uh, but, you know, he was fun enough to listen to. He was just never the most engaging. And then on the character side, I figured, you know, Batista really only had three characters from what I can remember. And I wasn't watching his full career, but if you ignore Leviathan, he's Deacon Batista, he's the animal Batista, and then he's like Hollywood Batista. Not a big fan of Deacon Batista. Animal Batista is a pretty bare bones, just generic tough guy. And then the Hollywood Batista one, that was the one where I really enjoyed him the most so out of those i'd go on like a maybe like a four for the deacon batista i'd go for maybe a a six for the animal batista maybe a seven and then i'd go for maybe an eight for the hollywood batista so i kind of balanced it out as a six the seven and a six for me so i definitely gave him the most charisma points I gave him a nine. Batista's a fucking star. Like, Batista walks into a room and you're just like, wow, that's, that is somebody who can pass the old school airport test. I think when he was on TV, he commanded, you know, the microphone. Did he have some floats like basketballs don't hold grudges and give me what I want? Yes. But those are now iconic things. <laughs> Okay, Batista's edited and it works and you know, give me what I want is probably gonna be one of the things he's most remember- remembered for by a certain generation. I I think really I would kill for one 
top NXT superstar to have the presence of a Batista. But I give him a nine. I kind of miss people having that charisma. After I gave him a seven, I didn't break it down nearly as much as Tony did, but thinking about Leviathan or Deacon Batista, mostly thought he was of an era where you could just get away with being Dave Batista or John Cena or Randy Orton. Like, perfectly, this is who I am. So there's not much character there, but he could turn it up to 11 in a way that is fun to watch. So I give him the baseline of a seven. So I've gone with a pair of sevens again for both charisma and character. So charisma, I'm looking at the fact that he had a natural, he has a natural charisma about him. He's very actually quite likable and charming guy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he he flubs a lot. He's I think that he struggled in WWE's overly scripted environment. Yeah, he is way more charismatic on like in like Guardians of the Galaxy or at Knock at the Cabin. Like he was my favorite part of Knock at the Cabin by far. And he's shown that he's got the range. It's just WWE doesn't really give you a whole lot of range when you're cutting those kind of promos. Yeah, so I think that he struggled a little bit there and it was kind of in the like little moments and little backstage segments where you actually saw a lot more of his his natural charisma. And then also when he was Hollywood Batista, you, that came out a little bit more in the... That was the most probably out there successful his um, his actual mic skills were. So I think rounded off, I'll give him a seven for that. And I'll give him a seven for character because, yes, he definitely is hurt by the one-dimensionalness of... And the absolute terribleness of making him a deacon to start his uh, his main roster career. But then the Animal Batista, Tony's right, he's a one-note baby face. He's very, very just, you know, I'm Dave Batista, I'm big, and I win matches. And there's not really much to him beyond that. But there are moments where the where that character shines through. Obviously, you have to look at the Triple H feud. It was an absolutely brilliantly crafted story and Batista's character of being a guy who everyone felt for a while was just, you know, Triple H is heavy, but then him showing that he thinks for himself and he's actually a lot more intelligent than people give him credit for really shone through with that. Uh, his stuff with Eddie Guerrero and SmackDown was a ton of fun as well. That was like really when you got to see Batista is more than just, you know, more than the SmackDown John Cena at this point in time, just like, you know, generic uh, baby face. He got to show a lot more of his actual humour and have a lot of fun with him. And then, yeah, then you progress into the... It goes a bit flat for a while, and then it's it's Hollywood Batista, and then it's all kind of turned back up, like, literally from the moment that he he decks Rey Mysterio, who he's been, like, tag team partners with for so many years. And just goes on this rampage and has a spotlight down on him and everything. That's him at his absolute zenith of his character. And I guess the least we want to say about Blue Teaster, probably <laughs> the best. But again, as bad as it is, also iconic. Like, yeah, he's so, he's very weird in that way that he just pulled everything off except for having a box around his neck because mm. you know people have limits. So I think a pair of sevens again. Again, I think just basically from his athleticism, charisma, character, and psychology, I think he'd be very unremarkable if he wasn't as big as he was. Mm-hmm. 
put it that way. But I think the fact that he was as big as he was, and he does have that natural like acting ability and charisma to him, but boosts him up a little bit to being essentially like upper average. He's a he's a B B plus in those levels. Yeah, I mean, I think that the there's... Next, and then you look. Go ahead. I was just saying, then you move on to the next stuff that we're going to be talking yeah. about, and then it just uh, takes it up to another level. Yeah, it's going to skyrocket when it comes to that, because when you, you know, there's a variety of different people, and obviously when we're doing superstar scores and we haven't done, like, I don't know, Doink the Clown, like, we're never going to approach Doink the Clown in the exact same way that we would approach Mark Henry. They're two completely different characters, and they're two different skill sets and they're two different types of performers. So, you know, a Mark Henry's type of, uh, character and the way that he was presented as, you know, the world's strongest man is a lot different from this goofball, funny comedic character, or you take a guy like a Shawn Michaels and you compare him to a Batista and then you compare the two of them to McFoley three completely different types of performers and something that uh, you guys touched on that I think is a really good word to use for the difference between where we're going and where we're just where and where we're going now is the word presence because people can be great in the ring. They can cut a great promo. They can have an interesting character on paper, but if you don't have that it factor, then you don't seem like you're special. And Daniel Bryan is a guy that's a great example of fantastic performer in the ring. He has that underdog thing that people just get behind. And you could probably name 30 different people that could have as close to as good of a match as he could put on there, but they're just missing something. And presence is a big factor for big guys of just being like, look, Batista can go out there. And I think it was Rob that had said it. You pass the, the airport test. You look at the guy and you go, yeah, he's somebody he's like a, an Arnold Schwarzenegger action star. He's like a, a big famous athlete sports player of a football team or a basketball team or whatever it might be. And he can be entertaining versus somebody who's just really big and you might not necessarily think that like a great colleague, but as far as their appearance goes, that's where you get into the physique and you get into their entrance as well. Sticking with the physique, we'll go back around to the entrance side. He's a 10 out of the physique, right? I mean, the guy's huge and yeah. he's jacked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Batista is a guy. Batista has amazing physique and I think he got better as he got more and more of a push and he's one of the last of that era of the body guy because right after him you get an influx of Evan Bournes and Kofi Kingston's and but Batista look at him he looks like a just a fucking star again like he is a star yeah it's a uh, uh, like this old the old adage has got a body chiseled out of marble. He's uh incredible. He's very attractive as well, just from the facial side of things as well. And yeah, he's got that big dick. That everyone <laughs> likes to talk about. 
no no one knows how big Batista's dick is but that's the thing they must they must know something to, to want to talk about because that is the big trope of every single like <laughs> these old kayfabe commentary thing is like everyone wanted to know how big Batista's dick is maybe that's why he got the deacon Batista <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean yeah if you're building a wrestler and you look at the ra- uh, the rankings that we've get- uh, given some other people, it's like you're going to go for like an Ultimate Warrior or you're going to go for Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, John Cena's, all these people. You, know, you give a high score to a Ryback, you give a high score to... Obviously, they're smaller guys that have really, really great physiques. Like Shelton Benjamin is somebody who has always had a great physique to him and he's not as big. And you don't have to be as big. It's not just size pure size because then if that was the case we'd be like oh my god omas is an 11 because he's fucking like nine foot tall but um well now listen if omas could do anything with that uh, nine foot tall frame he probably would be an 11 yeah i mean if he had the charisma he had the presence he had the it factor he had the psychology and he had the athleticism if you bump him up on all that we never did a score for omas but you know he's not going to be scoring anywhere close to batista's but Batista's got the the muscles. He's got, you know, like Callum said, like he's a good looking guy. So that's another marketable thing. It's not like he's some uh, butterface type, like some hideous chud that happens to be super muscular where they're like, oh man, let's put a mask on him and just do that. Or a blue dot. How do you something. really feel? <laughs> so it's like they were able to get a lot of people interested that, you know, as far as we look at the women's division, a lot of people watch the women's division and they're only really interested in how hot the women are. And I know that Batista is definitely somebody in that time frame when he was performing and he was like a top guy. A lot of women really interested in Dave Batista just because of the way that he looked. So you got to give him a 10. I don't see any reason why he would be anything lower than that. Now entrance. Are we back to the dick? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the, how he measures up. That's a different uh, rating scale. Uh, the entrance side of things, though, it is part of the appearance, part of the character package of everything. I shouldn't have said package right after this discussion. <laughs> but the uh, the entrance factors in their pyro, their taunts that they do, or like any kind of you know fun little acts like Rey Mysterio popping out from the ground or. Uh, yeah, Shawn Michaels dancing to the ring or something. It also includes their song and it includes everything that really happens from the start of it. And I mean, you could even give some points for the rated R superstar and the Tony Chimble cracking his voice or something. It's the idea of this is their entrance showing you, okay, this person is this type of star. How does it work out? And I'm considering bumping them up a little bit, but I currently have them at a nine. I, I might give him a 10. It kind of all depends because his theme so, is great. His pyro is one of the best with that, like Gatling gun kind of turret thing that he has going on. He's got that down where, I mean, better than even like Goldberg in some ways where he was able to really get like the timing down for all of that. I love seeing Xavier Woods just mark out crazily over it. <laughs> that footage of that here and there. Hard to, to dislike it, you know? I also have that nine, but I'm also like on the fence about just bumping it up to a 10 because 
when you factor in the whole thing, and we're talking the main entrance here, and I did the spotlight thing, and even that had its flair, but when you factor in the Gatling gun pyro, and then as soon as it would go off, they would kick the song into the chorus in the beginning when he first started doing it. Just a great, great entrance. And it really flowed together. And, you know, the song itself was really good back in a time where they were using a lot of popular bands. And, my God, you could hear the first five seconds of the song and know exactly what was coming your way. Unlike the 2023 Men's Royal Rumble, where I didn't know a single person. Mm-hmm. You know, I gotta, I'm thinking about it. I think I'm going to just bump it up to a 10 because... The whole package is just phenomenal. Do it again, but yes. Tista is the entrance is a ten. I bumped it up. I'll change my And <laughs> so did I <laughs> while we've been talking about this. You gotta make it all three uh tens, Callum? Well I, ha- I currently have it sat on a nine, but I am <laughs> taking that that uh, argument into consideration. Um I, I, I the reason why I didn't get a ten is because of people like other people that I had on tens, which were Undertaker, Kane, mm-hmm. Bray Wyatt, Chris Jericho, Triple H. And I don't know, but maybe Batista's is. I think it's level. in the range of a Triple H. But I, mm-hmm. the, I, yeah. the one that the one that the one that strikes me as someone who I have a nine that I haven't bumped up in terms of entrances, Edge. It's, what's and, funny is I went through here and I had Edge at a nine and I have Triple H at a nine, but I've got. Like you mentioned, Jericho at a 10, Goldberg at a 10, Undertaker, Kane, Bray Wyatt, Steve Austin. And then I'm like, I think that they're all kind of 10s. So I'm oh, currently I'm, at a 10. I'm currently going back and changing Edge and Triple H to 10s. Because, yeah. as I said, the music is great. I Walk Alone is such a, it's such a great song to put on to that. The Gatling Gun effect, the Pyro's incredible, especially on a WrestleMania-style show. Um but then also you move on to the Hollywood Batista and then you have the dog, like the spotlight coming down on him and it's everything's on him and the rest of the crowd is uh is dark is darkened out, so all the focus is on him. So yeah, I think I'll give him a ten as well. I think it's uh oh, yeah. it, it's it, it's it's the thing about him outside of just the general look and appearance, it's the thing that probably people most remember about him. And there's also that great um a great uh, moment of the uh, fan backstage getting in, it, oh, yeah. in what, what is doing the camera shot and just doing Batista's entrance and then running away, being chased by security. Um, yeah, I think I think everyone kind of loves Batista's entrance. So, so yeah, I'll, I'll bump it up to a ten as well. Why not? I have to say, as we're like sort of rounding out the wrestler side of it and going towards the backstage. Doing this recap is really showing me how much effort they used to put into creating a star and a presentation. Because, like we just said, Batista, you know, even the spotlight entrance, it's nothing dramatic that he's doing, but there's an aura to it. His moves, same thing. They used to work really hard at actually building a superstar. Making me miss that a little bit. And I'm sure if we looked back at other people that didn't make it anywhere near as high up on the totem pole as Batista, we'd see that they still tried to make them a star too. And now they don't put 
the same effort into like a Rene Dupree as like they would with, uh, you know, we're not seeing that from like a Bronson Reed. They're just going, nah, this is this person. Big. Like you, you do it on your own or you don't succeed kind of. So yeah, it's kind of a, it's a different type of story. Well, we switch over to the behavior aspect of this. And like Rob said, now we're getting into some behind the scenes type stuff. And this is always the most confusing part of out of everything. And we've been trying for however many years we've been doing this to figure out a a better way to differentiate it. But we still haven't figured out any other means because it seems like this probably is the best way of doing it where the backstage professionalism and the public relations are in here. And the idea being, are you a valuable superstar as part of the team? Are you the type of person who will put other people over? Do you constantly bicker and get into fights with people backstage? Are you a politician? Are you a locker room leader? There's positives and negatives when it comes to that. You know, there are people who are just, uh, the, the type of person that anybody can go to and get advice. And then there's other people like where Seth Rollins says that CM Punk should stay away because he's a cancer. <laughs> That's a big range of the backstage side of things there. And then on the public relations side, this is more outward of an employee should be somebody who helps promote the company, who doesn't have anything backfire on the company you are not going to really like somebody that you've employed if they are creating controversy and you are having to ship them off to do rehab stuff or to apologize for their DUIs or to fire them because they made some racist comments or whatever it might be. You're going to want somebody who does charities and does talk shows and media coverage and a guy like The Miz who will pop up on a thousand different shows and do that even more than he necessarily wrestles. And then other people like a John Cena who ends up doing more make a wish requests than like anybody in the history of the entire company. And a lot of these, we don't know, of course. So we're going by our ability to research backstage stories where somebody in a book said this. So we have to take that into account or whatever it might be. So it's kind of tough, but I currently have them at a seven for backstage and an eight for public relations. And I was thinking, you know, when it comes to the backstage stuff, I don't know if I've ever heard any stories of Batista being really beneficial, but I have heard obviously the fight with Booker T and there's the story of, Melina cheating on John Morrison with Batista. That's not the biggest, most important, you know, craziest things in the world, especially when you go, well, you know, that seems like that reflects a little more on Melina than on Batista in some ways. And everybody gets into some fights here and there. I mean, Chris Jericho's got into fights with people backstage plenty of times. We know that people argue, people have a little spat here and there. Sometimes it's not a big deal. Sometimes it's a huge thing. I don't know. Seven to me sounds like it makes sense for backstage. What about you guys? I currently have been eight. Because yes, he did get into those fights and there's the thing with Molina. But I look at it like this. 
thing with Molina is nobody's business. And the fight with Booker T, it wasn't like a big thing that blew up. They had a little spat. They settled it like men. You know, they moved on. You can't really hear anything about like, oh my God, Batista was such a prick to work with. You don't normally hear that. So, and he's even one of the people who went to bat and said, in 2014, why are you bringing me back as a baby face? No one's going to go for that. So it's not like he's overly selfish or in any way. So I think an eight is very good for backstage. I'll go with a seven just because I think that, yeah, he has those little, like, say black marks or anything associated with him, the Booker T thing, the Molina stuff I've already mentioned. But overall, he's like, there isn't really much talk about him as being a quote-unquote locker room leader or like everybody's like absolute top favourite guy, but by all accounts seems to be a nice guy. So I'm, I'm probably going around out there as a guy It's like, yeah, he's probably a nice guy to have around for the most part gets knocked down a little bit because of some uh, troubles he found himself into or some things which might be perceived in the wrong way. Like the whole, um, the other thing that that springs to mind is the whole blading thing. That uh, steel cage match with Chris Jericho where he got... um, $25,000, man, that's... Yeah, he got fined $25,000 for blading in that match. So, so, you know, you can look at it one way. I personally think that blading's, when it's done safely, is good. Especially if you're doing it in a steel cage match, you should probably do it to make it seem a little bit more real. But then if you know that you're operating in a PG environment and the office aren't going to be super happy about that, then maybe you should just um, think about it a little bit more. But I guess in some ways it's easier to um, seek uh, forgiveness than permission. So maybe we won't hold that too much against him. But I think a seven as a guy who was just kind of there, probably nice to have around made some friends didn't probably make too many enemies but didn't really stand out for anything like super it isn't isn't revered in that way i think that's probably a fair number you've actually uh i've thought about it i've lowered mine to a seven because you hit on something that i never thought about until right now you never needed to really be a locker room leader and i think that's indicative of his time period because you didn't need him to be a leader because you had Taker and Hunter and Sean and all these other guys at every single show still. So he could kind of just be a guy. But yeah, I knocked him down to a seven for backstage. But I'm keeping him at an eight for public relations because mm. especially now he's a great ambassador of what WWE can do as you know a good Hollywood success story. And... I can't think of any public controversies he's ever been involved in, aside from the one or two people that might be mad that he, you know, stood up for James Gunn. But which ended up like balancing out because it went from James Gunn is completely canceled to, you know, what maybe we're kind of blowing this out of proportion, and he gets the job back, and then now he's heading up. DC. Uh, the production side of DC. So that ended up not being the type of thing where it's like you're going to bat for somebody who ends up going further down the rabbit hole of Hollywood obscurity. 
and yeah, I know that he's done things before with like the be a star campaign stuff, and like he's not like been one of the champions of those, but that's the difference between working your way towards a 10 and staying around. If you do nothing, but, but you don't create controversy, then you're pretty much a five. Cause that's the mid range of just, you, you clock in clock out and that's what it is. So as long as you're doing something on the positive, you had your way towards a higher score. I think eight makes a lot of sense for that. I've gone with a nine. The reason for that being is that, again, seems like an overall nice guy. I think the thing that pushes me a bit higher towards the the top marks for me is his very, um, is very pro. I guess it's a, I guess modern modern approach to life in the sense of his um, progressive. He's, he's a, yeah, very <laughs> progressive. Yeah, I mean, I think he's um mother's a lesbian and it's the idea that he's got um yeah he's very like open about that and has no issues with anything like that and he's very very defense well I'd say defensive very um uh forward to a champion for her. Yes. Yeah, yeah champions for her and stuff like that he's champion of like, gay rights and all this other, all this other stuff associated with him and also he's like now a very prominent movie star and he's appeared in some very 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 acc- heavily acclaimed movies to the point where he is yeah wwe having any association with him is positive for the most part because there are many people arguing nowadays and i have a tendency to agree that out of all the wwe superstars that have ever really progressed and made it in hollywood he might be the best actual actor out of any of them Mm -hmm. he's definitely better than cena i'd say that he's got more range than the rock does it's funny because you go back in time and it's like, all right, it's pretty much just Hogan. And then Piper pops up and Piper is like, yeah, Piper has got more range than Hogan. That's pretty cool. And then you've got like a, everybody does like their little cameos, you know, uh, macho man, Randy Savage pops up in Spider-Man and he's macho man, Randy Savage with a different name. <laughs> and then the rock comes in and everybody thinks the rock's going to be the biggest deal. And the rock kind of starts to prove and at this point with Black Adam, it's very proven. The Rock plays the same character and everything. So uh, Yeah, I was going to say, I think between that stretch from like Jungle Cruise and Red Notice to Black Adam, mm-hmm. I think The Rock was a bit overexposed on the big screen. Yeah, and John Cena's been doing a lot to really change that up and showing that he can be funny and he can be dramatic and all but Peacemaker is also kind of like, all right, you you found your groove. You're the funny, a little bit ridiculous guy who can get serious sometimes, but at the same time, that's primarily where you want to go. And Batista, at this point, he's been very serious action star. He's been a villain, like in um, Spectre as Mr. Hanks, where he's basically not said a word. He only says shit is the only word that he says in the entire movie, which is great, but he's menacing and seems like a monster in that one. And then you watch him in guardians of the galaxy and he goes from being a relatively low talking brute to a funny character in the second movie. And, you know, he's doing the, the bit with the, uh, if I don't move, I'm invisible thing. And that's funny. And then not to spoil anything, but knock at the cabin, but knock at the cabin. If you could tell from even the trailers, 
he is very much like the sensitive, strong, gentle giant, but still imposing type guy. And there's like an edge to him where you're like, I don't know if I really trust this guy, but at the same time, he's kind of making me feel comfortable. So he's definitely got a lot of range to it. I dare say, again, as we're going through this, it's opening my eyes, but that is probably the strongest case that anyone could ever make for what being a WWE superstar on camera would prepare you for in Hollywood. Because you can be in cases where you have to show a lot of range because, well, you just said basketballs don't hold grudges and now you're a joke or now you're, you know, somebody beat up your family members and now you're serious. Like, it seems like Batista might be the best showcase of that. And I think that combined with, like, the fact that he is building a really strong reputation in Hollywood uh, combined with his very progressive and forthright attitude towards certain topics, I think, helps him stand in much better stead than, say, I don't know, an Undertaker or Kane, <laughs> who have only ever since leaving WWE severely damaged their reputation on that front. I mean, they went downhill real fast when it came to that. It was like, these guys are tens. What what great backstage uh, and positive role models and whatever, and then they leave, and then they're like, well, now that I can talk about it, I'm gonna... <laughs> and then you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I still think I'm yeah, gonna I'm go with an eight. Convince me. I, I upped it to a nine. Um, I mean, that's fine. I think eight or nine would be comfortable. I, don't, I wouldn't go like super high because he's not the the guy that would appear on every single talk show for WWE, especially mm-hmm. when he was there. That's where but, I'm going you know. with more. He was an eight when he was there. And if he were on the roster now, factoring in everything else, then he would be at a nine. But currently right now, he isn't doing something for WWE. He's just just in Hollywood. So. And we end things off with the crowd reaction side of things, which is the popularity and the credibility on the popularity side. That is essentially how famous are they? How well liked are they? Do they have lots of followers on social media, which we don't ever really like double check, but we know the relative uh, range of what they are. If they're a baby face, do they get cheered really like, you know, the crowd is really behind them, the really packed crowd for that. If they are a heel, are they getting the proper amount of booze? Are they the type of person that people love to watch, whether they love to hate to watch or they love to watch the root for Are ratings up when they're the champion. Are they doing a good job with just being a superstar as opposed to just being a wrestler that happens to be on a program that employed them? And then... On the credibility side, that is the pure kayfabe element of this whole thing. Where do you stand on legend status? Are you somebody who can win a title at any point and you're just three pinfall counts away from winning any match against anybody that you're up against? Or are you the type of person who is like a Brooklyn brawler who has like zero credibility and you might be really loved in the back and the performer side might be all that stuff, but your character and worth a damn. And when I looked at my scores for some other people, I saw that there were a lot of people that were in the seven to 10 range for me on popularity. But when I looked at the tens, like the stone cold, Steve Austin's and the, uh, 
Ric Flair and Undertaker and such, there aren't many. There are a few nines like a Triple H and a Chris Jericho and a Rowdy Rowdy Piper and all. And then I looked more at the eights and I was like, all right, this is kind of more where we're at, which is Rob Van Dam, McFoley, the uh, back when we did Roman Reigns back then. Of course, our scale would change if we did Roman now for a lot of things. But I had Edge at an eight. I had Big Show and Kane and Bray Wyatt at an eight. And the more I thought about it, I'm like, I don't think that I can put Batista on the same level as Chris Jericho or the same level as Rowdy Roddy Piper. So I got to give him an eight for popularity. I have gone for nine. Um, Simply put, Batista is one of the stars of his era. Like he, it's him and Cena and Orton, you know? And I think if there were a lot of guys with his frame now, they would be citing Batista as reference. As like, a, he's my favorite wrestler. He's why I wanted to be a wrestler. And when I look at it, I have, you know, like Undertaker at a 10. He's not at that level. But really, Undertaker, in terms of popularity, is the only person I have at a 10. Wait, actually, no, you got Austin in the ten, right? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I also have Austin. So he's not Taker in Austin, but he is right underneath them. I'm putting down to an eighth popularity. I think that even though he was incredibly popular at his time, I think that it's heavily overshadowed by Cena to the point of to the point of just. It wasn't just like he was one B to seen as one A. It was there was a clear distinction of one and two there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why they moved into SmackDown because Cena was the top guy. They put him on the top show. They moved Smack. They moved Batista to be the top guy of the secondary show. And he, I think, obviously not um, his fault, but he was injured quite a few times, which meant that he would get big parts when he came back. But he was never able to sustain that level of being the top guy for super, super long, just mainly due to the fact that he wasn't reliable enough to do it. And then when he came back, again, this is just the the impact of the whole sit- landscape of the time, but he comes back and he's, he's very much a guy that they don't want around. Like, no, no WWFM kind of wants around at that point because he's not Daniel Bryan, and he's taking the place of Daniel Bryan instead. No, that's eventually turned into a heel, but initially he's there as... The babyface, whether he wanted to be that babyface or not, he's just the guy getting in the way of what everybody wants to see at WrestleMania instead. So I think Batista, when you just look back over the years of people that were like really, really at the absolute tip, tip top, I would say that he falls a couple of rungs short of that. I say like like people that have gotten a similar things of like got like people like Rob Van Dam or. I've got Ultimate Warrior at an A and Roman at an A, which will probably change in the future. So, but yeah, there are some people that you could argue that he's on par or ahead of. But I think I think eight, especially due to the fact that his career wasn't particularly long either. Yeah, I 
Now, on the uh, credibility side, I gave him a nine. He, yeah. I mean, he beat Triple H when Triple H was the guy, essentially. He has wins over almost everybody. I mean, he's beaten people like Kane. He's beaten people like Undertaker. He's beaten Shawn Michaels. I'm pretty sure. Wait, he beat Michaels in something, right? Yeah. Yep, he beat his ass in a stretcher match. He's beaten almost every single person you can put him up against outside of the ones that he didn't get a chance to. I mean, he never did a program with Goldberg, for instance, and he never got an opportunity to fight Brock Lesnar. You know, he did wrestle Goldberg, and I think he might not have beaten him, but he did injure him. (laughs) But yeah, like, uh, Batista's a multi-time world champion. He main-evented WrestleMania by beating Triple H after winning the Royal Rumble. He won the Royal Rumble again from the exact same spot, which is pretty interesting. That yeah, He wins twice, and he wins from the exact same number. And even though he didn't win that second time around, that was the Daniel Bryan thing, which it was a perfect storm, and the original plan was to have Batista win that, so... He would have fought Brock Lesnar. <laughs> it would have been a, a really different timeline. But then again, you go back and certain things shouldn't have happened. Like Brock Lesnar shouldn't have beaten the Undertaker. But the uh, the credibility side, it's hard to argue in my mind that he's not a nine because he is somebody who at any point they could have put the title on. And I don't think anybody would have bat an eye on it. I don't think if he would have beaten the Undertaker for the title, people would have been like, what? You beat the Undertaker? Whoa. Or if he would have had a feud with Batista and Brock Lesnar, Batista definitely could have been one of the people that beats Brock. I'd have bought into it. Yeah, he's a nine. Um, It's so interesting to me because he wasn't around for long, but he wrestles so many guys. Like, technically, even though it's Randy pinning Nick, he beat The Rock at WrestleMania. He owns... He's part of a collective that beat you know, a team with The Rock at WrestleMania. He's beaten Flair. He's beaten Hunter in every single match they had to the point where he didn't want to retire until Hunter could beat him. Um, one of the few people to just beat The Undertaker straight up when The Undertaker had legendary status. He, you know, like I said, he got the chance to kayfabe injure Goldberg. He beat the shit out of Shawn Michaels when not too many people were getting the chance to do that. He's, I've, I've learned, by the way, between this and the last uh, fantasy book we did, I'm apparently a big supporter of Batista. He's fucking great. <laughs> and I wish we had more people like him. Yeah, I follow that with a round off of a number nine for Batista. Incredibility is pretty much un- it's it's highly uncontested he's multiple time world champion he's won the wwe title won the royal rumble twice one of the select few people to win it twice and yeah as you say he's pretty much beating everybody and you can imagine him beating pretty much anybody like he did get wins over the undertaker in their feud that went on for ages he beat triple h three times in a row when he first became world heavyweight champion only lost By the way, one of the only people to like just straight up beat John in the middle of John's big run, you know, like Batista has all the credibility. Yeah, I'd say that he just falls down based on the fact that 
I'd say, and I know, I know that kind of like lends to both popularity as well, but it does also lend into credibility that he was never ever, I think, viewed as the top guy in the company mm-hmm. at any point that he was there. So that kind of knocks him down a little bit from someone like a, a Cena or an Austin or a Hogan that would be, yeah, okay, you're de- you're definitively the top guy here right now. But pretty much anything else by the metrics of modern WWE would be the fact that you could win multiple titles and be a champion of a separate brand rather than the whole company. So I don't think he was ever champion in a in a one brand or one world championship regime. So he, he only ever was a like a branded either Raw or SmackDown champion. So I think that that knocks him down a little bit. So I think nine is comfortable is a comfortable place for him to be. So when we tally up our scores. And we look at kind of uh, his ultimate point system that's going on here. I end up with a 79 overall. I've got an 81 in total for mine. I have an 84. So Rob's got definitely got him at the highest. Not too surprised to hear that after what you were just talking yeah, about. I, you know, again, I really, I didn't realize how big of a fan I was of his until we were doing this retrospective. So shout out to Batista. It's also a running thing. Most of the time Rob's got him at a higher score. Uh, I'm looking through a list of the other ones that we've done before. And it seems about maybe two thirds of the time Rob's got the highest score for whoever we've got going on. (laughs) Maybe by a point, maybe by like five points. Certainly depends. I mean, there's like a, Who's the range here? That's um, I just saw seventy-five. Uh, yeah, like Rob's got Ultimate Warrior to seventy-five. Callum's got it at sixty-three. But then you've got other ones here and there. So comparing to other people, I mean, he gets Batista eventually gets an average. If you take all three of our scores, he gets an average of an eighty-one point thirty-three, which is one point higher than Ric Flair. We just we did him last, 80.33. It's a couple points lower than Steve Austin, 89.33. It's higher than what Bray Wyatt got. It's higher than uh, Big Show. It's lower than Kane, lower than Undertaker, lower, but not, by not too much, by Edge. Edge got an 83, and he has an 81.33. But there's definitely a range. I mean, he's got a higher score than a Goldberg, and I think that that proves because he's got more character and because he's got better in-ring skills and he was around longer to do more versus when you look at somebody like uh you know chris jericho or a triple h and we've got some higher scores for that because they they ultimately did more so it makes more sense 81.33 pretty damn good score especially considering it's out of 100 Yeah, as I've said several times now, he's a man, I think, uh, maybe underrated in some ways in terms of what he was able to bring to WWE for that time. So any last thoughts yeah. on the uh, Batista thing, Cal? Yeah. Yeah, he was a, um, as we discussed, he's a, he was a top guy, and I think he's a, he's a good indication of a guy who was a... Comp- 
I guess it's it's very much like an, a typical WWE top star in that he was pretty, I don't say average, but like he was competent at pretty much everything you need, the essentials you need to be a wrestler, but you add that extra layer of charisma, just star look, and you you build that up enough and it means that he can be considered like one of the the best to ever be in the the modern era of the company. So, so yeah, no taking away from him in terms of just his in ring stuff at all. Like he was it was a very he was a very good wrestler. Just you take that you take it up a notch by just the way that he looks and the way that he acts and yeah, it's like a very typical WWE superstar. Imagine if he brought all these things to the table and he was in a different era when it was you know, a guy that was big didn't even need to be able to move around as much as he did, and that they still made him, you know, some multi-time champion or an era where the ability for him to do something like the uh, Hollywood Batista thing would have been like, yeah, that would have caught on like crazy. Or you take Batista from what he had at the very beginning of evolution, you put him in this era right now, everybody goes, all right, that guy's winning world championships left and right. So he managed to succeed really well. And yeah, I mean, he's a future hall of famer for a reason. Maybe this year we'll see. So we might go back and talk about Batista a little bit more. If we get some confirmation about that, we might do maybe one more match for Batista Maybe we are just talking in a general sense with the wrestling with the past edition. If they end up announcing him for the Hall of Fame, we just talk general ideas of like, you know, ah, your favorite feuds that he's been in or, you know, what do you think that his future could be if he does do something in WWE again or so on and so forth? Maybe not. Maybe we, this is the last we talk about him for a little while, but I figured this would be a good time to, to talk about Batista. And yeah, if you have any thoughts and you want to chime in about then drop them in the comments below. If you're listening to this on the audio only streams, then go to smartgutmama.com or send a tweet or hop on over to the YouTube side and leave a comment that way. Cause that's the best way to just interact with that. And obviously if we do something else, Batista related and that's not good enough and you want us to do even more than that, then sponsor that through the pick poison tier and make sure that you just go like, Hey, I want you guys to, to watch an old, elimination chamber that he was in or i want you to do a deeper dive about like your the top rope list of your favorite batista opponents over the years you know we mentioned that undertaker is definitely one of the top for him and triple h is definitely one of the top for him but who necessarily ranks to be the highest of his like ultimate arch enemy a lot of different range you know so keep that in mind but if you are clicking around and you are liking things and sharing things and subscribing to things and showing your support and doing all that, then go to smartcatmoment.com. Check us out at smartcatmoment on social media. Go to fanboysanonymous.com. Check out things like my bitching and moaning about the AMC sightline thing. And I am still working on my top favorite movies of every year list. That is. I love the updates. I get little updates and they're always good. <laughs> I'm currently. Uh, last thing I did was I settled on, I I've now settled on everything ranking all the way up till 2005. And I've got a general idea of all the years after that, but 
I've been going through Wikipedia and I've been looking at every single movie that came out in the year. And I mean, I'm not looking like, yeah, I'm going to watch every single one because it'd be fucking insane. But like going through and going, okay, yeah, I haven't watched this and I've been making a blind spot list and downloading, um, you know, resources of lists of like top movie things and, and trying to kind of consolidate. So yeah, down in the future, I'm going to check out something like city slickers. I've not checked that out and whatever, but uh, yeah, that's going to be coming up. I don't know. Relatively soon, depending on when I get a chance. Also stay tuned for, I don't really know if I should say it. Uh, fuck it. Uh, something with the bat, something with the Batman blueprint. I've seen what he's working on. He's doing it this year. I'm doing something with it. I don't 100% know for sure, but I've settled on the name. And I I really like the name. I think it's pretty good. And it's Uh, good. So, yeah, Fanboys Anonymous. I'm very much in a fuck it, I'm doing it kind of mood for some things. And if you want to show your support, Go to anthonymango.com, start clicking on all those things, check out that letterbox, even if you want to see more of the movie stuff, and just sort of uh, hang around and, and hit me up and let me know. And make sure that you're following what these guys are up to as well. Tell them, Rob. Yep. Add Dude Felice everywhere, including, even though there's nothing on the YouTube, go to youtube.com slash Felice. And there's a YouTube channel there, and maybe I'll put some content on it sooner rather than later. Uh, Twitter, of course, twitch.tv slash dudefelice. Instagram, there's also a, a link tree in the bios of all that. And, of course, see my writing on WrestleZone and Fightful, and forever coming soon, dudefelice.com. Cal? <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at wigmeister14. You can check out the latest power rankings over on the Smart Cam Moment website where I ranked the WWE superstars from 10 to 1 and this was taken into account what happened at the Royal Rumble. So you can imagine at least two of the people that were on the power rankings for this week. But check that out to see the full list and who's been uh, appearing in the rankings the most over the course of the year so far. And if you're also looking over uh, more rankings over the course of the year, then you can follow the Fantasy League at www.fantasyleague.com or find it through Smart Cat Moment. And yeah, you'll be seeing who is leading the way on our pretty much on the home stretch towards WrestleMania now. Only one more big show in between that and not Paul White, but <laughs> like an action. One, one, be- yeah, one more big event between now and. Uh, and WrestleMania, where we will crown our champion of the 2022-2023 season. All right, everybody. Well, that's it for Superstar Scores Batista. As I said, drop your thoughts in the comments below. Tell us if you like it. Tell us if you disagree, if you agree, whatever it might be. And stay tuned for the next thing that's going to be coming your way, which is most likely going to be the hot tags. We might have a dark cast in the meantime. But whatever it is, you'll find it all on Smart Out Moment. So... Check out the site and hang out there, and we will see you until then. For now, this has been another Smart Out moment, and we are being counted out.